Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. What up, dude? How are you, man? Beach to it. Uh, I'm good. I know. I was about to try and cut you off. (laughs) I'm good, dude. I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Running, running like crazy, but... It's the busy life that we live. We know we're living then. As in like running miles or like running around? A little bit of both, I guess. Gotcha. Um, yeah. More business stuff than running miles, but I did sign up for a half marathon with my wife. Gross. Which, uh, I, I, I got asked up. to sign up for a half marathon with my wife and I told her not a fucking chance. I signed up for it because in, in my head, uh, me and my wife are super crazy busy. And I was like <laughs> in my head, all right, that's, that's when we'll hang out. That's when we'll bond. That's how many times we've trained together. Uh, I've seen pictures, so at least once. Yeah, maybe once, but I was thinking like zero. <laughs> I saw her put up a post of you running with her, so I know at least once. I don't even know if I can run. I don't think you should. That sounds <laughs> terrible. But you know what you yeah. should do? Strength conditioning? What? Strength conditioning. You want to know why? Please enlighten me. Because you do jujitsu, and jujitsu athletes need to do strength and conditioning if they want to do it as long as they can and as well as they can. And that's going to be our topic tonight. Why do jujitsu athletes need strength and conditioning, not just want it or not just kind of like dabble with it? So, Alex, let's start us off. Why do yeah, they need it? I mean, you hit the nail on the head, like point blank. It's uh, like, uh, it's a weird way to say it, but like quality of life, like quality of practice. Right. It's like if you want to genuinely get the best side of roles, be physically able to get a benefit from every role and maintain your your workload in jujitsu, because we know jujitsu gets addicting. Um, you need a solid foundation of physical preparedness to enjoy those roles, not get hurt as often, train more frequently. Um, strength training point blank is going to help with all that. So mm-hmm. just up in our physical game so that we can physically practice more or practice better or practice more intense, just however you want to twist it for your jujitsu practice. Um, And then the second part you said is the longevity aspect. We know jujitsu is super, um, is devastating to the body, the spine, the neck, the grips, um, any joint lock, any getting choked out, like um, jujitsu wrestling are some of the worst ergonomic sports that have ever been created. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know how, how it can be unergonomic, but um, there's a lot of damage that occurs to your body in your jujitsu practice. We need something on the backside that addresses that and can't and um, counters it. And passive modalities don't do the job. True. Like they, they just don't. And yeah. anybody that says they do is point blank lying to you to try to get your business. They, yeah. they are going to help. They are going to assist in the process, but they aren't going to give you long-term benefits. And that comes from somebody that my education for the most part is half passive modality. Like I love dry needling. I love adjustments. I love manual therapy. I love all of these different things, but the thing that is going to allow you to do jujitsu at a high level for as long as possible is going to be physical preparedness and training. And I feel like for the most part, when jujitsu athletes think strength and conditioning, they only think becoming a meathead. They don't think about all of the different chances that we can get in, in expanding your movement library. It doesn't have to just be trap bar deadlifts. It doesn't have to just be, I'm going to back squat. We can do end range loading. You want to know a great way to get better at Kimura defense? Well, we should probably train the end range of the movement. We can do liftoffs. We can get you more 
uh, external rotation of your shoulder. And that increase in external rotation of your shoulder is going to allow you to control that position more. The more you control the position, the better your brain is trained to understand what is going on. The better your brain can understand what's going on. Guess what? The less threat it feels. And then you can work your way out of positions. You feel more comfortable at end range. And that allows you to have a better defense in jujitsu. It's one of those things. All of these different qualities are trainable and Strength and conditioning doesn't just to have doesn't just have to be what the old school strength coaches call it or the old yeah. school strength coaches do. And I feel like the vast majority of jujitsu players in general think that all strength and conditioning is is squats, bench press, and deadlifts. Well, yeah, I want to even backpedal that a little further. I think anybody in jujitsu or just the general population has a really misguided understanding of strength and conditioning or you know, without sounding too forward, like what sports performance is, right? Like that's how I more or less categorize my job is sports performance or high performance training. We strength and conditioning in, in my head is a little bit um, outdated per se, because we're not, like you said, we're not just sprinting. We're not just lifting as much weight as we can or in jujitsu. We're not just getting jacked. I feel like so many jujitsu players uh, just think of strength and conditioning as far as like getting jacked or um, getting the big biceps and traps type of muscles. It's really important that we take a holistic approach to this and we understand the practitioner that we're working with and see that they're going after high performance and performance in jujitsu specifically. Like we have a lot of specific jujitsu programs that are aimed at spine health, neck health, neck strength, isometric strength, um, end range loading, enhancing your active range of motion. Um, and all of those things are point blank athletic qualities you need for jujitsu, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So it's, it's a lot more targeted than just, you know, lifting, to get stronger. It's a lot more targeted than just trying to be more explosive. Um, all those things will come, but we can do it in a very tailored manner towards your sport. Um, and I think that'll yield the best benefits for jujitsu. So uh, we got to start breaking down those walls and practitioners hear me too. We got to start tailoring our programs a lot more to the individual in front of us and the, um, sport demands that we see, because a lot of our strength training, a lot of our personal training is just geared towards health and wellness, like health and wellness period. Right. When we know a lot of our population isn't coming exclusively for the health and wellness, a lot of our population is coming for the sports performance, or, you know, maybe they want to look better or maybe they want to function better. Like I feel like the, the old, um, come do strength training to stay healthy is a little bit outdated or, or not appropriate for this type of content. But I, I don't feel like it should be overstated or it sh- should be understated. One of the things that we know that strength conditioning does though, is it's going to increase your injury resilience. If my joints are stronger, I'm going to get hurt less. If I'm going to get hurt less, I can stay on the mats more and I get to do the thing that I enjoy. It's almost like like for jujitsu athletes, think of strength and conditioning like vegetables. I've talked as not ad nauseum on this podcast. Your boy don't like vegetables. Like I'm I'm not a big veggie fan. I know I need to have them though. So guess what? I still eat them because I know it's going to make me a better human and allow me to operate at a higher level. That's how you should see your strength and conditioning for athletes that get to either choke people out or punch people in the face. Strength and conditioning is the boring part of your day. That doesn't mean you don't do it. I do shit that's boring all the time just because it's going to allow me to do the shit that's exciting better. That's how you need to see your strength and conditioning. And on top of all of this, 
we can gamify strength and conditioning. Like today I wrestled or wrestled. I, I finished up a strength conditioning session tonight with a high school wrestler. And we did five laps of 20 meters of bear crawls a piece. And we just made an obstacle course of bear crawls. Guess what? That's still strength and conditioning that allowed him to increase his shoulder stability that allowed him to increase his trunk strength that allowed him to increase his hip mobility and stability at the same time, because I made an obstacle course with which he had to crawl through. And this is all we just we just had Austin Yoakum on the podcast. It was fresh in my mind. I noticed that he was doing this and I thought that I could apply that to my athletes. So I made an obstacle course of bear crawl of low bear crawls with this athlete. And that allows him to he's having fun. This is the boring part of his day is strength and conditioning, but he gets to have a blast while he's doing it. And on top of all of this, he's getting better. He's making his joints not just stronger, but safer. And that's going to allow him to decrease his injury risk when he gets back into the high school season and then progress forward where this kid's a stud. This kid's top 20 in the country. Like he should be able to get through a season without hurting himself. But this is going to increase that prevalence or increase that probability of him getting through the season, increasing his ranking, and then leading to more D1 scholarships, leading to more coach attention, leading to more opportunities to be a better wrestler. Right. And and I think as a high-level conditioning professional or as a, a, a supplier of joint stability and fitness and, and things like this, some of that stuff has to just be the assumed category, right? Um, and I know we're here to communicate kind of the um, values of that, but as a conditioning coach, like, you're going to build bone mineral bone density. You're going to get stronger in your tendons and joints and less prone to injury doing your normal meat and potatoes or doing your jujitsu mm-hmm. kind of specific training. So why don't we pick the one that's more appropriate? And, and I really like what you're saying as far as gamification and everything, like, you know, as much as strength and conditioning is vegetables to a lot of, you know, our, what does Joe Rogan say all the time? Our, our high pace problem solvers that yep. do jujitsu, right. As much as, you know, picking a weight up and putting it down is just eating your vegetables. Um, it doesn't have to be right. We can make Bro, a game. You might out of as it. well put butter on your vegetables. <laughs> like, fuck it. Like that's you all. If it. you gamify your strength conditioning, you're putting butter on your vegetables. How, how long did it take you to think of that analogy? This entire time while you were talking. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm much more of a, a butter and then brown sugar on my sweet potato. Type I'm a guy. lemon pepper guy on my broccoli. Lemon I pepper is an underrated it. addition. Anyways, continue with what you were saying. Lemon pepper is good on popcorn too. Try that one out. Gross. Uh, Fuck out of here. Shut up. Um, But the point I'm making is that as a professional, and this is a lesson that I learned, you know, throughout some of my internships, like good strength and conditioning programs are corrective in nature, or they have those underlying assumptions already built in. Mm -hmm. Right. So as a coach, I don't necessarily need to go around explaining like we're doing this for your hip stability and then hip extension is really strong. And that's also what you're going to use to bridge Uh, like, sure, that's all well-meaning and valid and everything, but it can also just be assumed as part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know about your athletes, Austin, but not a lot of my athletes want to hear about um, the six different ways that your scapula can move. Nope, but I'm going to tell them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we geek out on it and it's super exciting to us or maybe not exciting, but super interesting to us. And to some athletes, maybe it is, but well, it's funny. I tell them, I always tell them, I'm like, I'm going to talk at you, not with you. And uh, I'm going to tell you about this. <laughs> right. But yeah, there, there's a good point in communication there because they get to see your passion for it as well. But um. But no, I think it's just important that jujitsu athletes understand that 
if you're with the right provider and you're doing the jiu-jitsu specific stuff, your performance is going to go up in your training and you're going to be able to train more often because you're not getting as hurt. And those are byproducts of strength mm-hmm. conditioning, right? Yeah. Those are, are, are should be assumed byproducts of strength conditioning. Sticking with the food analogy, what are some of the meat and potatoes of strength and conditioning for jujitsu athletes? Yeah, um, we ran through some of the qualities earlier when I was talking about isometric strength and range loading, um, hip extension for sure. But when I think of those and we can translate them into a lot of different exercises, um, I think either a hip thrust or a trap bar deadlift are absolutely essential. That's just like your compound lift, total body for your power. Um, I really like a split squat isometric hold or some type of isometric row inverted or pull up. I really like in uh, pull up holds for jujitsu. Just, I mean, that is the sport is pulling and holding position. Um, I know you're going to kind of geek out on the low bear position and how that reinforces trunk stability Correct. and breathing. So, I mean, those are pretty integral. Um, some of the not so common things I like are like a push pull, um, combination movement, or, I mean, I fucking love med balls, dude, med balls. And, and I know, um, jujitsu, it's a love affair at this point. It's honestly, jujitsu is a little bit less of the dynamic or impact creation that like striking is that I would pretty much apply med balls to, but the rotational power and strength that you get from a med ball from that same ipsilateral pattern that's so common in grappling. Um, I love using those as well. You hit the nail on the head, ipsilateral patterning. I think uh, that's one of, if you're going to make a program or you're going to do this on your own, you need to understand that a lot of jujitsu is ipsilateral patterning in nature, which is going to mean your hip and your shoulder are rotating in the same direction. So your trunk is not crossing each other. So left shoulder, think about like an alternating V up. If my left hand goes to my right foot, that's a contralateral pattern. If you will, I'm trying to touch those opposite sides. If I'm doing a single arm or a right hand to right foot, and I'm rotating across, that's going to be more of an ipsilateral pattern. Think about any sweep in jujitsu. Think about trying to stop a sweep in jujitsu. Think about any time you're passing guard in jujitsu. Most of jujitsu is going to be an ipsilateral pattern in nature. And I think that's how we need to train. A lot of the times, if we're doing like a push-pull Um, or if we're doing any sort of like ground-based exercise, this is where we can make our best benefits. And I feel like if we're talking about meat and potatoes, we need to talk about that ipsilateral pattern for the majority of the program. Um, I, I personally like to implement this with our dead bug series. I personally like to implement this with, uh, like loaded carries, if you will. Um, and then I also really, really like to do this with a cable machine where we're moving our entire body in in that same plane of movement where my hips and my shoulders are moving in the same rotational pattern while I'm pushing or pulling some sort of weight. But those need to be a staple of the way you're training, not just our bench press, not just our deadlift, not just our back squat, but train for your sport. That's going to increase your overall decrease in injury prevalence. It's going to increase your overall viability and sport specific transfer. Um, The other thing that I believe is extremely crucial for jujitsu athletes in general is going to be wrist hand and foot strength. If you're doing jujitsu, guess what? Your shoes are off. 
you need to have strong ankles and feet. You need to have strong wrists and hands. And if we're doing grip training, that needs to be extremely, that needs to be integrated into almost every day of the training that you're doing. If we're doing any sort of like lower body movement, I prefer my jujitsu athletes I work with to be barefoot. It's going to increase their availability of accessing the foot musculature. It's going to increase the mobility of the ankle musculature. And the way jujitsu has been traveling is going to be more of a leg lock, lower body attack game. That's that's what's popular right now. So we need to stabilize those joints and mobilize where we need to mobilize as much as we possibly can to control those end ranges. Um, and and that's just something I've been doing recently with our jujitsu athletes. But for the most part, it's seeing high high yields of return because the better they can control that range of motion, the stronger the joints are, the stronger the joints are, the less likely that it's going to cause any sort of threat or tell the brain that there is threat. And then they can push through and get to their attacks instead of being on the defense. So one interesting question I had as you were going through the the benefits and specific to jujitsu, and I know that's kind of where I made my, um, where I put all my eggs. What do you think about this notion of training the opposite pattern that you're not getting in jujitsu, right? So, uh, jiu- Go ahead. I, so what I tell people and what I learned from a guy named Mike Rentala out of uh, San Diego. So he's a DNS specialist. Um, he is a chiropractor and a DNS instructor, which is dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. Uh, he says that if you are training for performance, you want to keep the same patterns. If you're training for more of like if you're injured or you're trying to correct any sort of injury, then I want to get you out of those patterns to try to increase the threshold and decrease the threat on the body. Yeah. So if you come to me with an injury from jujitsu that's stemming from something rotational, I'm going to train a contralateral pattern to offload the ipsilateral muscles. Yeah. If I'm training for performance, I'm going to try to reinforce the same pattern and increase that ipsilateral threshold. So I'm going to focus on ipsilateral rotation. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's why we have phases in our training, right? That's Mm -hmm. why we vary the stimulus um, in our program. So let's say like we just had an athlete that was training up to... um, I think it was Pan America Games, right? No, it was uh, World Masters. World Masters. Um, but they were training up and we were crushing a lot of this specific to jujitsu training the conditioning programs for them. Um, we had two athletes, two athletes. Yeah. Um, thank you, Austin, I guess. Um, but they were crushing the specific to jujitsu program that we put in front of them. Cause again, we're training for performance, right? Now that we're a week after this, we're giving them a rebuilding phase or more or less a lot of general patterns that don't really fit the the jujitsu mold because mm-hmm. we want to reintegrate some normal functioning pattern in their body. We want to offload that stuff. So we don't get into that over specification and injuries in that. So that's kind of just the, the phasic model of training. And we can get out of that because I had the, the immediate thought of, um, again, this is backpedaling hard, but I had like, I have a lot of my jujitsu athletes hit front squats, like in their non-competitive season. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, and where do front squats really fit in jujitsu? They're not that specific. Right but they counter a lot of the postures that mm-hmm. jujitsu gets out of our athletes. And so I think that's where like a front squat would fit really well is like a, a rebuilding phase or, or um, some of this like non-competition specific prep. 
Well, what's cool about a front squat, I'm going to nerd out on biomechanics real quick, is that it's a homolog pattern. So it's not necessarily rotational in nature. It's going to be a bracing strategy. And we're not, and we're going to focus on connecting the upper body with the lower body. So being able to increase our brace, being able to focus on trying to fill up the back in the front squat and focus on the trunk stability is actually going to give pay dividends down the road with our both of the patterns, with contralateral and ipsilateral. So I love, I love that for the front squat. That's where like I use a lot of zercher squats. It's the same exact pattern, but those bipedal, those bilateral movements typically in nature are going to increase our bracing strategies, which are only going to, as long as we train it correctly, increase our rotational strategies as well. As long as we can increase our bracing threshold, we can increase our rotational threshold after we elevate one. Right. And and so that's, um, that's, that's learning the rules before you break the rules, right? That's like, Bingo. we, we train the anti before we train the rotation, right. Or, or, or something along those patterns. I mean, that you articulated way better than I am right now. So, <laughs> right. Um, but no, I think there's a time and place for a lot of that, a lot of specific and non-specific stuff, but you're, we were talking about the mean potatoes or we're using this food analogy. Our, our main dish is going to be that specific strength and it's exposure that you don't get in the jujitsu room, right? Like you never get to the intensity of an overcoming isometric or maximal isometric in your jujitsu role, right? There's a lot of things going on. There's too many different variables at play, but when you're in the weight room and you're holding an isometric hold on a pull-up, that is the only and most intense stimulus that you're paying attention to, right? We Mm -hmm. never get quite to that threshold when we're rolling jujitsu. And that's important because when we build that ceiling higher and higher and higher ceiling, now in your rolls, every um, sub-maximal effort requires less energy, right? So if I had to, let's say before I started doing strength conditioning, I'm trying to hold on to, let's say a body lock or sorry. Yeah. Body lock that's taking, let's say 95% of my energy to hold this body lock. I'm squeezing. I'm trying to maintain position is is, is so difficult for me right now. You're going to fatigue a lot quicker in your five minute roll. Then let's skip forward six months into training in strength and conditioning. Now we have that body lock and it only takes 60% of my energy, right? So if I'm only using 60% of my energy, I can hold that position for a lot longer time and my endurance automatically gets better not because I trained endurance, but because I trained absolute strength. And so since I have that that 60% energy, I can hold this position a lot longer. I can cook my opponent a lot longer, and they're going to fatigue themselves out while I'm maintaining position. That way I can open up a route to a submission. For sure. It's something I talk about with our guys. It's the stronger you are in a position, the more efficient you will become. Yeah, your brain is going to realize how to fire the correct muscles or the the correct muscles for you because really are no correct muscles, but the correct muscles for your body type and style. And it's going to learn how to do it and as efficiently as possible. And that's one of those things that I, I I've talked on the podcast before. I'm a big mobility guy. Uh, I'm I'm not always I'm not the guy to go to if you want to increase your absolute strength. That's not normally my thing. But I've been moving more and more towards that recently because. This concept of strength efficiency, the stronger you are, the more that you can increase your body organization around a specific goal at a higher weight, the better your brain is going to be at efficiently moving through that pattern. 
because a high stress stimulus is a high stress stimulus, no matter what you do. It could be high weight, it could be high power, it could be high threshold, it could it could be crazy cardio. That's a high stress stimulus. The higher the stress stimulus, I think this this is this is my own thoughts. The more efficient the brain gets at adapting to that stimulus, because that's that's what the brain does. Its number one goal is to move through life with as little pitfalls as possible and protect you. So with that, the stronger you are, the more efficient you te- typically become at using those different muscles or those different muscle groups. So in our training, we can train that absolute strength and while or those isometric holds, like you're talking about those max hold situations, the more you get exposed to that in nature, the better you're going to get at adapting to that in your sport. Yeah, hundred percent. And you open a good can of worms there when we're talking about your brain trying to take the the shortest route to accomplish the goal, right? So it's human nature, bro. It's yeah. it's we are that is us as humans. We want to do the as little work as possible to get to the goal. Every human and, ever wants to do that. And unfortunately, as we grow up through our childhood and then adult life our body learns a lot of suboptimal movement patterns, Yep. but we become so good at those suboptimal movement patterns that your body defaults to them right away. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's your, your extension, compression, stabilization strategy. But the shitty thing is when we get into a high stress, stress stimulus, the body's going to collapse. The body's going to fall apart. The body isn't, you're not going to be able to do that at the highest level of performance. That's where we see the guys. Like I always point to John Dodson, who was one of my favorite fighters ever, where his biomechanics are fucking perfect. Absolutely perfect. That's what I love about him. When I watch him fight, it's not even fighting, it's art. It's same with Mighty Mouse. When Mighty Mouse was down here, some of the guys said what he does is it's not fighting, it's art. Like the way he moves is different than any other person they've ever seen. And it's because that he's trained. I mean, he has one of the best strength coaches in, in MMA ever of Joel Jameson. And he's able to move as efficiently as possible. And his body is so well adapted to these high stress stimuluses that he understands body organization at a higher level than anybody else. And he's able to find a positive strategy to a high stress stimulus and progress forward in a way that is extremely efficient. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's where I was going was that we can change those in strength and conditioning. We can take the opportunity to change those inefficient movement patterns that your body loves to default to because they're the stronger position right now. And then once we hit our strength conditioning and we strengthen efficient movement patterns, those will ultimately become your default as they get stronger than the suboptimal. And that's a, a lot of the resistance that I get right away, especially from my jujitsu guys is like, well, I can lift more like this. And, and then they demonstrate an inefficient movement pattern. It's like, I know you can do that more right now, but trust me, that has a lower ceiling and a higher risk compared to your worst performance at a really efficient movement pattern in six months. That's going to surpass your, your previous way of doing things. And then we can progress in that manner with a lot higher seeing a lot lower risk. So it's, it's having an open mind to adopt a lot of those efficient movement patterns, which some guys that you point to either have worked really hard to make that their default or have it a little bit more naturally. Yeah, or it's a, a God-given skill. Yeah, and a little and bit more genetic. John Dodson was born with perfect biomechanics. I will put my money <laughs> on it right now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He works fucking hard. I don't know him personally. I, I've always been a big fan of his yeah. um, just because of how he moves. But he was born with perfect biomechanics. That dude's a yeah. killer. But anyways, right. to your point, what's cool is like I was just having that talk with some with another different high school athlete today. We were talking about one of her teammates who she's very strong. This, this girl's very strong. But 
when she deadlifts, it's it's like a dog shitting. And like she was like, well, well, this girl is able to lift at like 260 pounds. And I'm having this this other girl that I'm working with do 190. She's like, well, I feel like I'm stronger than this girl. And I'm like, well, her 260 deadlift is all rounded back and it's going to fucking destroy her. As opposed to we're focusing on trying to lift up your functional capacity versus your absolute capacity, which is something we talk about all the time. That same concept, though, if we extrapolate further, can be applied to every single joint in the body, right? This is where functional capacity, I believe, going into a little rabbit hole here, that functional range conditioning, FRC, does really, really well, where it's going to increase the functional capacity of joint ranges of motion. And it's very applicable to jiu-jitsu. This is something that I'm technically not certified in. I use their stuff all the time, but I've actually never taken a course of theirs. I'm because it's like $1,200 fucking dollars. Well, I'm going to, well, 999 I'm going to take one in November. Um, Good for you. But they, they do it really well where talking about the same Kimura example that I talked about, mm-hmm. right? There's a difference between passive range of motion and active range of motion. And that's an extremely important topic in jujitsu. How far can somebody push your arm, but then how far can you control that range of motion on your own actively getting it there? If that range of motion is a huge disparity, so you can only get 20 degrees, but somebody can push you to 50 degrees. Well, guess what? Your brain's going to tap at 20 degrees because it doesn't know that that's safe. It doesn't know that that's okay. So you're leaving movement on the table. You're leaving range of motion on the table. You're going to tap quick. If you go to a jiu-jitsu yeah. competition and somebody Americanas you or Kimuras you at, say, let's say 70 degrees of rotation, and your brain doesn't understand that you can get to 100 degrees, guess what? You're going to tap early. You're going to lose that match, and you're going to lose out on performance. This is something that can be trained through proper mobility training, and that's what the system does extremely well. While it's not the only system out there, it's really, really good at what it does, which is increase or or I guess decrease the gap between flexibility and mobility, which flexibility, how far can somebody else push you? Mobility, how far can you actively move your own joint? And this type of training is talking about strength conditioning in general. This should be a part of your jujitsu training. This should be a part of your jujitsu strength and conditioning. It doesn't seem like strength and conditioning because you're not lifting weights. You're not adding a bunch of weight onto a bar and squatting with it, but you are targeting specific joints that are going to increase the range of motion, increase your time under tension and focus on your brain adapting to a stimulus, which at the end of the day, that's all training is, right? It's it's your brain adapting to a stimulus, then causing the body to impose those specific adaptations that you just imposed on the demands. Yeah. And, and you, you bring up an interesting point too, where you just almost um, created a big analogy between we're talking about absolute capacity functional capacity and then you all you you translated that into flexibility flexibility versus mobility right your flexibility is your absolute capacity so how far can you stretch x joint whatever (laughs) with external forces versus your functional capacity or how much can you control your mobility right so it's like the closer I, i would like to add to the closer that we can get that active range and the passive range, the less at risk for injury we are because your body can proprioceptive a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's a huge disparity between those two, again, like Austin said, you get to this range of motion, your brain freaks out. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I can go there. And then it automatically tenses up. And then whenever we tense up or get into that really heavy fight or flight, then those quote unquote freak accidents are more likely to occur. 
for sure. Like it's it's not a hidden truth anymore. It it is out there. We know that the brain's number one goal at this point in time in the human body is to try to limit harm to the body. It's yeah. trying to make sure you don't die or, or get hurt. That that's the brain's number one goal. Everything else after that is an afterthought or it's secondary. Well, guess what? I need to train my brain that a certain situation isn't going to harm me. If your brain yeah. thinks that you're if somebody's doing a rear naked choke on you that you're going to pass out. Well, guess what? You're going to tap immediately, right? You need to be able to train that situation. You need to be stuck in chokes more. You need to be more sport specific demands that are going to allow you to adapt and know that you can fight that out. But think about yourself as a white belt when you get choked versus if you're like purple, brown, black, if you're a purple, brown, black, black belt, you're not going to tap to the same choke that you tapped to to a white belt. We can bring that same school of thought into strength and conditioning and mobility training. We can just train in a different way. It doesn't have to be in sport-specific training. We can train your your knee to rotate so that you don't tap as well to heel hooks or you don't tap as well to knee bars because if you get comfortable with your knee at end range uh, extension or end range internal rotation or end range external rotation, you're not going to be in as much threat. Your brain isn't going to see that as a threatening stimulus. So the more we can train that end range range of motion, the better off you're going to be in your sport specific training. And then in, in total, in your performances that you go do, whether you be a local IBJJF competition or like me and Alex were saying, like a world masters athlete or a mat or a, a, a world champion or an ADCC competition, you need to be able to understand that that situation is okay and you can work your way out of it. Just because it's not in a jujitsu practice does not mean that we cannot train that. And what we want to get across is this is something that we can do in a strength and conditioning program, not just in a sport-specific practice. Right. And and you talk about a specific adaptation to imposed demands, and, and that's a pretty well case in point for um, being more comfortable in a choke or being more comfortable at your end range. Um, I think that's also specifically applicable to conditioning, right? 100%, like hundred percent. Again, if your strength and conditioning program for jujitsu or for performance does not include any energy system development or any conditioning work, then you're losing a lot of gains. And maybe that's not the best program that you're on. Um, that being said, there's a lot of specific and surgical ways we can implement our conditioning work. So it's not impairing your practice and it's not just doubling down on the shit that you've already done in your roles. The way that we can implement it is to, um, what's the word accent or to highlight specific energy systems that are going to help you in your conditioning. Again, not just add more workload to add more workload because in the strength conditioning community, and if you've done energy system type of stuff, we know that jujitsu is more or less an, a lactic sport, right? So you're going to be creating, you know, lactic acid for lack of a better term. I know that's not the exact science, Austin, but it's relatable for a lot of people. Um, so you're going to be feeling like you're almost stuck in the mud. Or we're going to go into that that hardest high intensity and high and long or moderate duration type of stimulus with our strength and conditioning we don't need to just pour more on with that we don't need to have a five minute go on the bike and then one minute off or we don't need to just drown people in 30 30s rather we can hit a little bit of it at the end of each workout like i said be surgical with your implementation and conditioning and then you're going to reap a lot more rewards for a lot less effort in that sense for sure and this is where 
not to throw a plug in, but I'm, your boy's going to throw a plug in. We're starting to, as me and Alex start to compete in jujitsu more, I'm going to start competing in jujitsu. I already know it. Yeah, I've only right, done five jujitsu classes. Here we go. Here we go. He's talking, guys. Luckily, it's recorded. Alex is going to do more competitions. We're going to start offering the programs that we use specifically to yeah. you guys. So we're going to offer jujitsu programs. This is going to be something that we make a push for, um, as as we talked about in, I believe, our Yoakum podcast, as well as some of the most recent podcasts. We're going to have an app created. Um, we're going to release strength conditioning programs that we ourselves use to try to help us get into our jujitsu competition cycles and what's going to allow us to compete at a high level. So it's going to include our mobility training. This is going to include our strength training that we're doing and our conditioning that we are implementing to try to get our gold medals so that y'all can get your gold medals. Um, so as you guys progress through your jiu-jitsu journeys, you don't necessarily just have to have a aerobic base. You don't necessarily just have to be strong. You have to be able to use all of these different capabilities. And if we can give a efficient and I guess effective program to allow you to get onto the podium more frequently, that makes me unhappy. At least it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Alex, but it makes me happy. <laughs> so yes, what, what what we're going to do is we're going to offer a, right now we only have a wellness program for jujitsu. Within the next couple months, we're going to have at least a year built out of strength and conditioning for jujitsu athletes to where this is going to allow us to increase mobility, increase your sport specific strength, and then increase your conditioning to allow you to not just feel better, but also increase your performance on the mat and try to get some more medals. God damn it. Cause we want uh, people that listen to us to kick some ass at tournaments. Um, I, I want building a fighter. Also, I don't know about you. This is an on air discussion. I want to make patches. How do you feel? Gee patches. Yeah. I got a guy that can make them. I got a guy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Look, I'm all right. I'm we're all making patches. Shit, you know so that? if you listen you know to that. this podcast and you want a patch, Hit us up. We will send it out for free. I got a guy that'll make his patches for cheap. So anyways, we want building a fighter to be that brand. We want us to be the guys that are going to help you two athletes all over the country and all over the world. Try to get on some podiums in your local town, in your region, in your world, in your country, whatever it may be. So these programs are designed to not just help uh, feel better, whatever, but it's going to help you feel better and perform at a higher level in the future. That's going to be at our website, buildingafighter.com. It's going to be jujitsu performance is going to be the night, the title for it. And it's going to be focused on mobility, strength and conditioning as or strength and conditioning. And it's going to help elevate that level. Alex, what do you, what do you got on that? No, dude, absolutely. That's what you're going to see when you get the program. It's going to have a little bit of each of it. It's going to be two, three days a week, depending on your needs. And again, there'll be pre-packaged programs where you can, again, see what we're doing, you can see a general outline, but then there's always our custom program option, which is uh, a lot more geared towards an athlete that wants more specific attention. And I think that custom made program is going to yield a lot of benefits too in jujitsu, because whether you're competing at the regional scene and um, maybe you're, you're later on in your training, um, that's going to be more applicable in a way for you, or maybe you're you know, a dog and you're competing on the world scene and you just need that extra little push to get the edge against your opponent. We can hit that with our custom program too. I think the custom program uh, can play a lot of a really good role for 
more specific jujitsu athletes that compete at a weight class or have a hard cut or not so hard to cut, um, you know, and then we can grade it as well. We can grade it based on your strength conditioning experience. We can grade it by based on what belt you are, what division you compete in. Um, all of this specific information will help us do nothing but build out a more custom and individualized program for you. So you're going to have a lot of different options when you come to building a fighter for your jujitsu strength conditioning needs. And as soon as, uh, exactly like Austin said, it's like, I'm not in the business of losing. Like, and I don't yeah, think any I don't, of us I don't are. fuck around with losing. I'm not, right, a, I'm like, not a good loser. Like the only, the last <laughs> time I lost, I yelled at my dad. I don't like yelling at my dad. Like <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I mean, that's exclusively one I want to align building a fighter with is yes, we're offering a better way to do things. That better way isn't worth shit if our guys lose. So 100%. again, it, and you say it Austin all the time. It benefits us none. If everybody yeah, loses, I get right? nothing. So, if you lose, I only exactly. benefit if you win. <laughs> so we're providing you a better service to get you more medals, to get you more wins. Um, and this just point blank, the offer. So I love it. Well, yeah. if you guys got to get that program or you want to get that program, send us a DM. Like I said, we're creating it right now, but within the end of the month, we'll have a whole year of programming done. Um, but shoot us a DM and just send BJJ greatness to the building a fighter DM. Outside of that, if you got to get in touch with us at all, send us a DM and or our sh- our emails are going to be in the show notes. Um, we have other programs available if you're an MMA fighter or if you just want a custom program. That's going to be at buildingafighter.com. And then on top of all of that, be prepared for that app because it's going to be fucking sick. I'm excited. I'm very excited. So this is Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Freeman. And we are out.